this is the Fixer Upper Marriage Class Podcast. Together, we're learning how to make marriage and love better. Marriage is filled with challenges that are beyond our knowledge and our ability to navigate alone. Just like the many problems that can come with fixing up a house, you will experience many problems in your marriage as you seek to fix up your love. However, there is help available from the great designer of love and marriage, God. We find this help through prayer and the awesome Word of God. Join us via live recording as we continue our three-part series about things you should be praying about in your marriage. For detailed class notes, visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash prayer2. That's fixeruppermarriage.org slash prayer, the number two. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, consider leaving feedback on our website or, if available, a review wherever you listen to podcasts. So here it is. Three more things you should be praying for in your marriage. We're in Galatians chapter 5, in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. So last week we began looking at some things you should be praying for in your marriage, and we're using these nine fruits of the Spirit and applying them to our marriage and how that affects the way our marriage goes about, the way things occur in our marriage, and some specific things we should be praying for in our marriage to help us have a more godly marriage, a marriage that is pleasing to the Lord. Marriage is filled with challenges that are beyond our ability to navigate and to figure out many times. It's like God just made it that way where there's we run across these problems that we can't fix on our own. It's just like if you're fixing up a house, sometimes things are over your head, things you don't understand. And it wouldn't take much for things to be over my head because I don't know a lot about fixing up a house. And maybe the uh, electricians, or maybe the electrical has a problem or maybe some appliances have some problems and you have to call someone who knows more about it than you do. But marriage, we have an incredible resource and that's the God who designed marriage, the God who created marriage is available for us. And these are some things we can ask that designer of marriage to give to us. So number one this morning is pray that long-suffering will be your goal. Pray that long-suffering will be your goal. If you want to go back and you want to see last week's lesson, which kind of pairs with this, you can go to fixeruppermarriage.org slash prayer. And last week's lesson is there with the podcast and all the notes are there. And a more detailed version of the notes that you have now, I have everything. In fact, when I study now, I type straight into the website. So what I teach from is what's exactly there. So you can go and see all the verse references that you would like or anything you'd like to go back to listen to or to see or just to read. You can do that. But number one, pray that long suffering will be your goal. According to uh, Noah Webster's dictionary, long suffering is an adjective. It means Bearing injuries are provocation for a long time, patient and not easily provoked. Listen to this Bible verse in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6. Let me read it to you. And the Lord passed by before him, passed by before Moses and proclaimed, 
the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. God is long-suffering. It is in His person. It is who He is to be long-suffering to us. It's just His personality. It's His character. It's to be long-suffering. Your long-suffering is a reflection of His character. And what an incredible opportunity marriage is to learn how to be long-suffering. God just gives us marriage and it's like a test. It's like a way to learn how to be long-suffering the way that He is toward us. Living together with a lifetime commitment, you know, with all our bad habits and all the idiosyncrasies and all the flaws that we have when we live together, we learn, we have to learn how to adjust and how to be long-suffering with one another. And God gives us marriage to teach us how to be long-suffering. You know, here's an example. I have always been a person who snores very loud. It's a family trait. I just snore really loud. And when my wife and I got married, it was something she had to be long-suffering with because I snore really, really loud. I mean, it's like shake the wall snore so loud. But it's just something that I do. It's a flaw of mine that I snore. And then there's I have another flaw. I obsess over things. If I don't understand something and I get it in my mind, I have to figure it out. I have to. It doesn't matter if somebody spent 15 or 20 years learning how to do something. I have to know every little detail and aspect. I have to do it. I have to figure it out. And that's really cool in Sunday school, right? Because I learn all this stuff and get to share with everybody. It's not so cool at home when I can't do anything else except that one thing because I'm so obsessed with learning how to do it. And that's just a, something my wife has to learn how to be long-suffering toward me, right? And God gave me these flaws, and my wife, th through those flaws, my wife learns how to be long-suffering. And she does have to be long-suffering with me, and we both have things. Because you live together, you learn every day how to be long-suffering. And in that learning, we learn how to be more like the Lord, because the Lord is long-suffering. Sometimes I wonder, is this compatibility thing that you see, like you go online and you find your life's mate online. A lot of people do that now. They go to, I guess, is it eHarmony and all these things. I see advertisements all the time. I don't know why it would be advertisements for me, but it's uh, find your life's mate, find your true mate, find these areas of compatibility, right? But sometimes I wonder if that's more of a myth than anything else, because I'm going to be honest, I am not the person I was. When I first met my wife, I mean, things happen and things change. And the more we go through, the more we change. I'm a different person because of things that have happened to me. And it would have been impossible. I don't care how many combati compatibility tests we took. It would be impossible for my wife to really know the future me. So I wonder sometimes if that's just some kind of myth that someone has come up with. But, you know, it is possible to have long suffering toward your spouse. Now my spouse, now we have changed. Now things have changed. Now I need to learn long-suffering through what we've experienced. And guess what? It works both ways. You know, it's not just my snoring that's a problem, right? My wife has some things that I have to be long-suffering toward. So we all have to learn how to be long-suffering, and we should pray for that. There are no shortcuts to long-suffering. When I was in high school, I don't know why we did this, but all the guys hated literature, 
When we first, when we were in middle school, we had literature class and all the guys were just like, man, I hate that. Oh, I dread that class. And I just said like everybody else, man, I really hate literature. Oh, I'm going to hate to go in that literature class. And we would be required to read. And somebody introduced me to these things called Cliff's, Cliff's Notes. And Cliff's Notes are meant to help you to understand a book. Like you read the book and then you put out the cliff notes to help you to understand it a little bit better. But we figured out that we could just read the cliff notes and from the cliff notes, write a report and you could pass. I mean, I would make a C and maybe even a B if I really wrote really, really good because sometimes I'm good at writing. And so we used the cliff notes. But in the process, we cheated ourselves out of an experience. Here's I remember one of the books that we had to read was The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. And I just thought, I'm not reading that. I'm going to read the cliff notes. So I did my report from the cliff notes. You know, years passed. And, you, you know, I read Huckleberry Finn. It's one of the best books ever written. I'm like, oh, my goodness. How did I miss this book when I was in high school? Is Mark Twain is an awesome author. And, and come to find out, I love American literature. But dummy me, I cheated in literature class. And I cheated myself. Out of, you know what? I could have probably got 100 in literature. I could have probably read all these books that I don't even know exist. But but you know what? I decided to take a shortcut and use the cliff notes. Sometimes we're that way in marriage. We want to have the cliff notes, right? We want to take a shortcut. You know, we can do, if I can do this, instead of working out these problems that I have with my wife, I can take this shortcut in, in my marriage. I can do this instead. And when I do this, then it kind of fixes, it patches up the problem. It's like the cliff notes for the problem that I'm having. But it really, I really cheat myself out of God's best, don't I? When we do this, we cheat ourselves out of God's best. There are no shortcuts. Marriage, having a good marriage requires us to be long-suffering with each other. There are no cliff notes for marriage. I think there's sometimes people have this idea, there's this folly in starting over. I've met people like this. Their marriage doesn't work out. They don't get along. So they just part ways and they kind of just work and get a fresh start. Well, you know what? You just cheated yourself out of the experience of overcoming your difficulties. You would have probably had an even better marriage had you put in the effort to work with each other and to be long-suffering. There are no shortcuts in long-suffering. The word long is in there. It's long-suffering. And we should pray that God would help us to have long-suffering in our marriage. Long-suffering means that you are in it for the long run of marriage. It takes time to have a good marriage, but you can have it by following the principles of God's word each day. It's a process and we become more like Jesus every day as we have long suffering in our marriage. You know what? I, I think about sometimes we have that long suffering with each other. I think about that friend and we all have friends like this and they discover this new diet and they're so excited. I mean, maybe they've lost 20 pounds or 30 pounds or whatever, and they want you to do this diet. I mean, they've seen such good results that it's, they want you to do this diet. And every time you talk to them, every time you're around them, that's all they talk about. Well, I'm doing the keto diet or I'm doing the plant based diet or I'm doing the diet of who knows the the Atkins. I'm doing the Atkins diet. It's revival of the Atkins diet. Now we're going to do the Atkins diet or the South Beach diet. And I've lost all this weight. And that's all they talk about. I've lost this weight. I'm doing this. And when they eat, they don't just eat their food, do they? They have to tell you why they're eating this food and how it relates to diet and how 
Not only they're eating this food, but you should be eating this food, even though you're eating a cheeseburger. They want to let you know that now they, this is a lot better for you to have this kind of diet that I'm on, because now I've figured out instead of eating the cheeseburger, I just take the cheese off, and I take the bun off, and I take the lettuce off, and I don't have any carbs at all, and I just eat just the meat. And, and this is, this is, pe- people, people do, people do this. They get so excited about this diet and they want you to follow along. But you know what? I'm not interested in your diet, right? I'm not, I'm happy the way I am. I'm not excited about that like you are. You know what? And we think, why is, why does everybody do this diet? Why is everybody excited with me? You know what? Maybe they're just not ready for that, even though that might be better for them. Even though sitting down with me and eating my salad with me with all these healthy things on it like I like to eat, even though that might be better for you, you might not be interested in that right now. So maybe I shouldn't try to push that on you. But sometimes we have to be long suffering with our spouse. And this happens sometimes when we get on fire for the Lord, isn't it? And we really want to have a better marriage. And we decide, well, you know what? I am going to go back to this website that Brother Jason has for our Sunday school class. And I'm going to read all the lessons. And I'm going to go through and not only that, but I'm going to binge listen to everything on there. And now I'm going to get my spouse. I'm going to, you know what? You need to be long suffering with me. And let me tell you, you need to do this and you need to do that. And you need, but you know what? Your spouse may not be on that train right now, but you know what? If you'll do your part, if you'll be faithful to serve the Lord, if you'll be faithful to do what you know is right, you know what's going to happen one day? You want to push your spouse. You want to talk about it constantly. One day they'll say, you know, I've been praying about our marriage and I think we should start doing this differently. I think maybe we should do this. And you'll be like, well, really? Well, let's do that. You long suffering with each other. Learn to be long suffering. Maybe everyone's not ready to jump on the train with you right now. But if you'll just be long suffering, you'll see the results. If you'll learn how to be long suffering in your marriage, but pray that long suffering will be your goal. Number two, pray that gentleness will be your attitude. Pray that gentleness will be your attitude. Gentleness is defined as a noun, gentle behavior, softness of manners, mildness in temper, sweetness in disposition, meekness, kindness, benevolence, tenderness, mild treatment. And that, of course, is according to Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary. Listen to this in 1 Kings chapter 19. This is the story of Elijah speaking to God. And listen to what, what happens here. And he said, God said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. Or the word of the Lord had come to him and said this, go forth and stand upon the mount that is before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But listen to this. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And you know the story. God was not in the fire. God was not in the great earthquake. God was in a still, small voice. God speaks to us gently, doesn't he? God is gentle. That's another part of his character. God is a very gentle God. Before I knew the Lord, I'll be honest, I was afraid of him. I was scared of the Lord before I, before I knew him. But when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, when I became a Christian, when I put my faith in him, when I asked Jesus to save me, it wasn't long before I learned that I didn't have to be afraid of him. 
He was gentle with me. You know, he does not talk to me the way that I sometimes treat him. He doesn't talk to me the way that I deserve to be talked to, right? He is gentle with me. He speaks to me gently, sweetly, and kindly. You know, a lot of times I'll find myself at the altar praying or at the couch at home because God has spoke to me gently in my heart and He has dealt with me about something that I've heard. Or sometimes I don't have to hear anything except His voice, His still small voice. His still small voice speaks to my heart. And because He is gentle and because He is so kind, it breaks my heart. And therefore I'm motivated to ask Him to help me or whatever, ask for forgiveness or whatever He has spoken to my heart about. Marriage is the best opportunity in the world to learn how to be gentle the way that God is gentle with us. There's no other relationship that's so intimate and so demanding, but yet so rewarding as, as marriage. You can learn how to be gentle with your spouse. Gentleness will produce better results than your own methods. You know what? Instead of attacking your spouse, learn to start conversations with gentleness and things will look will work a lot better. Don't speak when your emotion is flooding you and you're all upset. Don't speak then, but speak with deliberateness and calmness and stop before you think. Let prayer be the filter of what you're going to say to your spouse. Speak words of kindness. You may have temporarily solve a problem by hollering. You know, when you get upset and you get angry and you holler at your spouse and they, they may do what you want them to do right at that moment. And you may nag your spouse and you may motivate them to do what you want them to do in that moment. You really haven't changed anything, have you? Your spouse is going to do the same things again. And guess what? You're going to have to nag again. Or your wife is going to do the same thing again. And guess what? You're going to have to result to raising your voice or hollering again. But you know what? If you'll learn how to be patient and how to speak gently the way that God speaks to us, you can generate permanent change. You can make change in behavior in your spouse by being gentle. But that's why God speaks to us gentleness, because it becomes our choice. It becomes our decision to to do what he wants us to do because of that gentleness that he's gentleness comes from a place of understanding. You know, for example, since I work at the post office, I deal with people sometimes who are obsessed with finding their packages. People track their packages obsessively. You would not believe it's unreal. I have somebody come into the post office. They'll have their cell phone. I need to pick up my package. My package is here. I said, well, let me see your phone. Since obviously you've been tracking it. Can I see your phone? Your, your package arrived 10 minutes ago. You know what? No, we can't shut the post office down and go find your package. No, but you know what? When, and I want to be angry. I want to be rude to this person. I want to say, hey, you dummy. You dummy. It just came in the door. We had, there's like 5,000 packages back there. We're working our tails off and, and I'm trying to manage the line and people are back there working and you, you hear everybody back there. There's like 80 people trying to get this done back there. But you know what? When I remember when I ordered my the Lord, let me order this new lav mic. I remember the way I tracked it. Right. <laughs> I remember how I kept checking to see when it was going to arrive and how it, I hope it's still on track to be here when I ordered it, when it said it was going to be there. But I remember how I tracked my package. And then I say, well, I understand that. You're looking for this package and you expect it to be here, but at this time I can't give it to you. But if you will be patient, the carrier will bring it out to your house later today. 
Or if your package isn't here, wait till five and then track your package. Because that's when everybody downloads their scanners. You know, instead of tracking every five minutes, just take a deep breath and wait. I'm sure your package will, will be here. But you know what? When I consider myself and I put understanding, I can speak more gently with someone. But that's the way it is in marriage as well. When I picture myself in my spouse's position, it helps me to understand and be gentle and kind with them when they make mistakes. You know what? Since my wife is a homemaker, I can understand why she'd want to talk so much after I've had a long day at work. Because all she's had to talk to are little kids running around the house or she's had to correct them all day. So if I put myself in her position, then I could understand maybe that's why. She needs to talk so much when I get home. You know, I can understand why the house is not spotless. I can understand when dinner is not ready and the kids are running around in circles. You know how I can understand that? Because when she was sick, I had to watch the kids. And now I understand it's a miracle the house is still standing here the way these kids are. Because I can put myself in her position. I remember what it was like. I have understanding Hey, I know how these kids can get sometimes. I know how overwhelming the housework can get sometimes, right? So it helps me to talk gently with my spouse when I can understand a little bit where she's coming from. You know, it's not to make an excuse for your spouse or when your spouse gets caught up in a sin or does something wrong. It doesn't mean that you make excuse or you try to do away with the con- there are consequences when we do wrong. But maybe you kind of put yourself in their position a little bit and maybe you can understand a little bit of why maybe they made this mistake. And what I might understand why my spouse did what my spouse did. If I can put myself in a position and I understand why you would be tempted to do that because of this going on. And then I can still you still speak firmly, you know, just like I did as my customer at work. Right. I can be firm. Hey, we can't shut the post office down. You know, at this particular time, I can't go find your package out of 5000 packages. But I can still be gentle, right? And you can be gentle and firm with your spouse at the same time. Whatever the problem is or the sin is, you can work through it together if you're willing to be gentle with each other. You know what? We really expect God to be gentle with us when we have sin in our life, don't we? We really expect him to be gentle. We expect God just to forgive us all the time. We expect God to be gentle with us. But picture yourself in your spouse's position. We expect God to be that way toward us. You expect God, we expect him to have understanding when he's dealing with us. Listen to this in Psalm 103 and verse 13. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him, for he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are but dust. And you know what? I, I quote this. Lord, you know I, I made a mistake. I know I made a mistake, but re- please remember that I am but dust. I'm only human. I expect that from God, don't you? Because I know him so well. But we should have the same mercy and respect toward our spouse. That even though they've made a mistake, even though they've done something wrong, that we understand we're but dust. That we all have a sin nature. Yes, the reason my spouse did this is because just like me, my wife has a sin nature still in a body of flesh. Number three, pray that goodness will keep you from failure. Goodness means the moral qualities which constitute Christian excellence, moral virtue in religion. Listen to this, for the Lord is good. 
His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. We could all say together that God is good. Can we? God is good to us. Now, from the moment I was saved, I started to realize just how good God is. In fact, I could say that God was good to me even before I was saved, even before I put my trust in him. God was very good to me. When I look back on my life, I can see just how good he was to me. He was good to me to allow me to hear the gospel many, many times before I received him as my savior. He was good to me to give me a chance over and over again to hear the truth. And I see the goodness of God more and more in my life every day. I mean, the more I think about it, the more good God is to me. Marriage is this incredible opportunity to be good to someone else. This is your chance to be like Jesus. We all like the songs that make me more like Jesus. All these songs that we, we say, I want to be more like Jesus. Yes. And, and we all get all emotional and cry. I want to be more like Jesus. Here's your chance. You got married. You said I do. And now you're with your spouse. You have a chance to be good to someone else. You have a chance to be like Jesus. You wake up beside someone every day that you can be good to just like Jesus is good to you. You can find ways to be good to your spouse. You know what your goal should be for your spouse to be able to say, my husband is good to me or my wife is good to me. That should be your goal. Just like we say God is good to me, right? I say God is good to me. I have no doubt that God is good to me. Your spouse should be able to say that about you. My spouse is good to me. Goodness requires thoughtfulness, attentiveness, and action. You know, God's goodness is customized just for you. And when God is good to me, it's customized just for me. You should invent ways to be good to your spouse. Goodness should be your ambition. Goodness should be your goal. You should try to think of ways to be good to your spouse. That should occupy your time and your moments. Goodness should be like a Super Bowl Sunday, right? Goodness, is it Super Bowl Sunday? Yeah, oh, it is. Okay. Goodness should be your end zone. Goodness should be your goalpost. Being good to your spouse should be your goal. Use your time and attention to think of ways to be good to your spouse. How about this? I love list, don't you? Try to make a list of things you can do to be good to your spouse. Just like I'm sure God has some kind of list in mind for me when he thinks about how good He's so good to me. He has to have a list somewhere, I'm sure, of good things that he wants to do for me or that he has planned for me. Make a list, even if it's in your mind, of good things you want to do for your spouse. And when you do these good things, this is you being like the Lord, being like Jesus. And sometimes God surprises me with his goodness. Have you ever been surprised when God is good to you? Maybe you didn't expect something and God just did something unexpected. I mean, just surprised you with his goodness. You know what? Sometimes it's okay to surprise your spouse with your goodness. Come up with something good to do for your spouse and surprise them with being good. Learn how to be good in your marriage and you'll find something that this world is seeking after. You know what? That's what all this is about. That's what all the world is searching for. They're searching for somebody to be good to them. They're searching to feel special in a world with billions of people. You can do this for your spouse. You can be good to your spouse, just like God is good to you. How could your marriage fail when you're both trying to be good to each other? Could you imagine standing before, <clears throat> standing before a judge and asking for a divorce? 
and you're both trying to be good to each other, it's just not going to work. It's not going to happen. When you're trying to be good to each other, your marriage can't fall apart because that's what your goal is. You're working to make each other happy instead of being wrapped up in making, guess who happy? Me happy. That's where we mess up. But at the same time, you know what? You're painting this beautiful picture of the gospel to this world. By being good to your spouse, you're painting this incredible picture of Christ in a church, of Him being good to the church. In conclusion, three more things you should be praying for in your marriage. And these are three more things because there were three things last week and there may be three more more things next week. But three more things you should be praying for in your marriage. Pray that long-suffering will be your goal. That's what we need in marriage. We need long-suffering. Pray that gentleness will be your attitude. Pray that your attitude will be gentle in your marriage and your speech and the words that you choose will be gentle. And pray that goodness will keep you from failing. God has something amazing planned for your marriage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the precious words of Scripture and these principles that you've given us. And Lord, I'm glad you didn't just leave us here on earth and save us and not leave us the instruction manuals to live our life, but you have given us the manual to live the Christian life and the manual for marriage for that matter. And we see these as we turn in the pages of scriptures and as we see these principles from your word. May we apply them every day. May we seek to be good to our spouse and may we seek to have long suffering and may we seek to have gentleness in our marriage and in our demeanor. We ask these things in your name. Amen.